The Old Testament reading for this All Saints Day comes from Revelations chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So 500 years ago, Martin Luther had some issues with the church. He had some issues that he wanted to bring up for discussion, and so he made a list of them, and uh, he posted that list on the local bulletin board, which was the church door at Wittenberg there, nailed them there, knowing that a lot of people would see those, those uh, lists of items for discussion, uh, 95 of them. That's quite a list. And uh, we know them famously at the, as the 95 Theses of Martin Luther. All Saints Day comes then in the shadow of our high celebration of the Reformation, which historically for us gets a lot of fanfare. We sing special hymns, we exercise our German heritage even if we're not German. Uh, we might adopt that just for this special day. We eat bratwurst and German potato salad. We have special services. We generally lift the day up and we should. For many years the gospel of Jesus Christ had been undecipherable. The scriptures were deemed too difficult even for many of the priests to understand, let alone the average parishioner who would come to Mass on Sunday. The church, it was said, that is, the Pope and the councils and the bishops, they were the ones who could understand the scriptures, who would tell you what the scriptures said. They alone could interpret it. And so studying the teachings of the church was the key to understanding what the scriptures taught. You're probably familiar with the Rosetta Stone, at least by name. Uh, that is familiar to me. I had to really kind of look at it to... Uh, look it up to see exactly what the details about it were, but it is a stone that was um, discovered in 1799. And it is touted as one of the greatest archaeological discoveries of all time. And the reason was that it helped in deciphering Egyptian hieroglyphics, which were up until that point a great mystery. It was discovered, I discovered, <laughs> during Napoleon's campaign in Egypt and Syria. A French soldier found it, and I stumbled upon it in a field, this big black basalt slab. And it is inscribed with three different languages, Egyptian hieroglyphics and Greek being two of those. It was discovered in the town of Rosetta, that's how it got its name. 
and the reason it's key to deciphering is because in Greek it says that these three stories, these three different writings are the same story. They all tell the same story. And now for the first time they had the ability using the Greek to decipher the Egyptian hieroglyphics. It was the key to unlocking that mystery to the better understanding of the history and the culture of ancient Egypt. Now the understanding of hieroglyphics was lost uh, and what Martin Luther discovered in these years following the posting of the 95 Theses was something that was lost, something that was lost to the church. Uh, you know what that is. It was the gospel. He discovered the gospel, rediscovered it. It had been so mired and mixed up with false teachings, false understandings and distractions that the good news of what Jesus has done for each one of us was lost. The good news that we were saved by grace alone through faith. And it was kind of like those ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, undecipherable. But God wants this truth to come out and he used Martin Luther and others in the Reformation, other reformers, to bring this gospel to light, to bring it to ears that needed to hear it, to eyes that need to see it. Martin Luther said it's like lightning, lighting up the sky, lighting up that dark sky. And you know what that's like uh, if it's really dark at night but there's a thunderstorm and you see that lightning up in the cloud and all of a sudden you see the cloud lit up. You see the shape of the cloud, the outlines of it, and so beautiful. And then it goes dark again. And then that lightning goes and you see it again. The gospel, so long buried, was at last free. And so it's no wonder that we celebrate the Reformation that happened 500 years ago. And again, Martin Luther posted these 95 Theses the day before All Saints Day, uh, knowing that this was a high church day and lots of people would be coming to the church and see the things that he wanted to debate. Now, the All Saints celebration was different, of course, than ours is today. In 1517, the church was not teaching salvation by grace, by the merits of Jesus Christ and what he had accomplished for us through his suffering, his death, his resurrection. Rather, the church would have lauded the saints and their goodness, especially specific saints, those who had attained the status of saint. They were celebrated as being so good that they had extra goodness. Jesus had extra goodness. Of course, Mary had extra goodness. But many of the saints, too, had extra goodness. And all of this extra goodness was put in a treasury box in heaven. This is what the church taught. And that treasury box could be opened and some of that goodness could be gotten out and given to you, uh, put under your name, if you did certain things. 
These saints were the ones, the church would have said, who really lived up to Jesus' teachings. Uh, maybe like the, the gospel reading today. These are the ones who really were blessed because they were poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those persecuted for righteousness' sake. What a list. If you take that as a list of what we are supposed to be doing, right, take it as law, uh, then it's really quite a list, and are you going to be able to attain it or any of it? Uh, but these saints did, apparently. They were able to do that. The church taught that along with Christ, the really good among us who were able to live up to his holy standards had enough grace left over for those of us who could not. And in the selling of indulgences to pay for the building of St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome, John Tetzel and the Catholic Church, they emphasized that this treasure chest could be opened for you. The merits could be applied to the doomed sinner, either by venerating some relic, by paying some money to the church, by purchasing an indulgence, or by some other means. And All Saints Day then was different than, like I said, than what we celebrate. Uh, it was a veneration, it was a worshiping, really, of those departed men and women deemed to be saints, deemed to be so good. They were said to have the ears of Jesus, to be a mediator between you and the Christ. Because Jesus was seen at the time by the church as an angry judge. You can see it in the iconography, you can see it in the paintings of the day. Uh, he is there always with a sword. And uh, there's one painting of him, uh, he's got a sword coming out of one ear and a lily coming out of the other. And so he was the judge, and it's true he's going to come to judge the earth at the end, but we don't fear him as the judge. We don't fear the sword side. Uh, we look to the grace side, the lily side. But he was seen in that day as the angry judge, angry with you because of your sins. How are you going to pray to him? He's not going to listen to you. Pray to the saint. The saint is there with Jesus. Pray to the saint. Maybe the saint will be happily disposed to you and will speak to Jesus on your behalf. And so the saint ended up being the mediator between you and Jesus. But in 1 Timothy 2.5, we hear this. There is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. See, today we celebrate the saints, but we don't worship them. We have a mediator, Jesus Christ. He's our brother. He's our Savior. God, our Heavenly Father, invites us to pray, urges us to pray, and says that he will hear every prayer, even, even the short quip of a prayer from your heart. God hears that straight from your lips. And I love our reading 
Our first reading here. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, holding palm branches in their hand. They cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels standing around the throne, around the elders, four living creatures, they fall down on their faces before the throne, worship God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom, thanks and honor and power and strength. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where do they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are the saints of God. These are not those who have proved that they are worthy, that they are so good, that they deserve to stand in the presence of God, that they merit salvation. No, these are they who have washed their robes and made them white. Why did they need to wash their robes? It's because those robes were filthy with sin. Because to be a saint of Almighty God, one must be pure and holy and perfect and clean and no man save Jesus Christ is that all of us need to wash our robes in the blood of the lamb and make them white and what John sees there in that vision is the end he sees the church victorious after that last day when they are all gathered together there, he sees the bride of Christ gathered from the four corners of the earth, from every tribe and nation and people and language to celebrate that marriage feast of the Lamb in the kingdom that has no end. And I'll bet you know some of those saints. Some of those saints that John sees standing there. Some sinner with a blood-washed robe that's been made white. Maybe a grandmother or a grandfather, or maybe a husband, maybe a wife, maybe a child, an aunt, an uncle, nephew. I'll bet you know many people who are standing in that crowd. Someone who has passed from this veil of tears to heavenly glory with Jesus in heaven. Someone who now rests from their labors for whom Jesus has wiped away every tear from their eyes and on this day we remember them we remember their faith we remember the way that they trusted in Jesus as their savior from sin we remember with thankfulness their example to us their reliance on God their witness to his love and we thank God for them but All Saints Day is more than just a remembrance of those saints. A time to remember our dearly departed loved ones. The saints that are with Jesus now waiting for that great and glorious last day when they'll see you again. You'll see them again in heaven. But that word saint in Greek, hagias, that, that means a holy one. The saints are the holy ones. Maybe you don't feel very holy. That makes you a candidate. 
a candidate for the blood of Jesus. All the times that we don't feel holy. All the times when we cry out to our God and we say, Lord, why do you even love me? See, you're a saint because you trust in the blood of Jesus to wash your robe. Paul begins his first letter to the Corinthian church, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. You have been called to be a saint. You have been called by God to be a holy one, to be made a holy one by God. And this is what Luther writes in the small catechism, right? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Christ Jesus my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. We are saints because the Holy Spirit has called us to holiness, made us holy in the blood of Jesus by the sacrifice of Jesus' life, his death, by the power of his resurrection. We have been made perfect, made holy. We've been set apart by God to be his people. None of it our action, all of it his. We are his holy ones, his saints on earth, because he has made us just that. And this is what John writes here in our epistle lesson today. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. See it for what it is. What kind of love has he given to us? You're a child of God. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Beloved, we are God's children now. We don't have to wait for that last day. It's here now. You are a child of God. And that's why Jesus speaks to his disciples the way he does in our gospel lesson. That's why he talks to them, these frail and, and frightened disciples of his, unwise, not understanding. He says, blessed are you. All of these blesseds are to them, are to you today, saints of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when you are reviled and persecuted for my name. In Jesus, God takes all of our frailties, all of our fears, all of our weakness, all of our lack of understanding, our selfishness, our darkness, and he forgives it. He remakes it. He removes it from us as far as the east is from the west. Our utter unholiness has been buried with Christ. Our robes are washed in the blood of the Lamb. And by his atoning sacrifice, we have been made holy. We are right now holy ones, saints, his beloved saints. And we enjoy a fellowship with that great cloud of witnesses that have gone on before us. 
Here at the altar, we partake of this Eucharistic feast, this Thanksgiving meal. That's what Eucharist means. Here we receive the body and the blood of Jesus. And we are united to him. We're united to one another. And we are united with the saints of all time. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. There's going to be a feast, a coming wedding feast. And as we partake of the Eucharist today, we partake of that feast already now. Knowing that the day is coming soon when we will be joining all of those saints in glory to celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb in His kingdom. And so on this All Saints Day, saints of God, I say rejoice, be glad, because your reward is great in heaven, because Jesus has removed every sin from you and has made you one of His holy ones, His holy saints. In His beloved name, Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.